listening to the left wingers podcast we are a left-wing political podcast made by activists for activists this week we're delighted to welcome back sean back to the podcast sean's taking a bit of a break while she's had a change in circumstance but we're really delighted to have her back as i was saying to her just before we started recording she's a fantastic member of the team and we're absolutely delighted to see her again hopefully she'll be featuring more regularly but we will still be looking to hire new people and we want to grow our family as much as possible so sean welcome back Thank you. Oh, I know I'm, I'm genuinely just so glad to be um, back on the podcast. It's like one piece of my life that I really have been missing recently. So, And we've missed you. That, that's absolutely for sure. It's a shame if Sean couldn't make this recording today, otherwise we'd literally have all three of us and then the world would end because all three of us can't be on a podcast at the same time, obviously. <laughs> um, you, know, you know how it is. Let alone be in the same place. God, could you imagine conference? Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously Sean's been out of the loop for a bit, but I think we've got to start on the big news, which I think everyone has heard of, even the UK, even if you've been living under a rock, which is, of course, uh, Nadim Sahawi has been sat from the front bench. And did we see this coming? I think I think we did. Sean, did you see this coming? Absolutely. Even uh, with this government. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know. And, you know, it's interesting. We were speaking last week on the podcast about how long Rishi Sunak has left. Yeah. I think that this is definitely, this is just another scandal in a series of multiple scandals that seem to have happened, whether that's Pretty Patel and bullying, whether that's Naheem Zahawi, whether that's Partygate. It just seems to be this never-ending cycle of scandal that seems to be dominating the Conservative Party. Just speaking to MPs around Parliament, I can definitely tell you that there's a vibe. There's definitely kind of a vibe check of uh, 1995, 1994, where it's just a bit like John Major was quite well-liked, but he was let down. And obviously there are parallels with Rishi Sunak, who was quite well-liked but obviously being let down by his party. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on the sacking of Nadim Zahawi? Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely needed to happen, didn't it, for sure. Um, you can't do something like that and be in Parliament. Although I'm saying that, and well, with all the crises, we, I say crises, incidents that uh, Tory MPs have been causing over the past kind of months and I'm going to say years because it just feels like it's thing after thing after thing after thing. Um, yeah, no, you can't have somebody like that um, in in that kind of position. So, no, absolutely. Um, it was the right thing to do. And uh, yeah, I definitely saw it coming. But I, I, I am finding it funny the way that um, Sunak is now kind of being like, oh, sort of, look, I, I handled the case so well. Like, I was decisive. I'm going to re, 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 what was it, like, restore integrity and all this nonsense. I'm like, like love come on like you you can't seriously be saying things like that not after the two and a half three years that your party and government has had I mean are you, are you joking do you think people don't remember like all of the you know incidents after incidents after incident this is just like one of thousands at this well at least it feels that way at this stage um yeah but no absolutely he um he, he had to go because I mean you've not been paying your taxes mate yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, what, one of the things I pick up on what you said there, Sean, was correct. I mean, obviously correct in saying that people should definitely leave um, when they don't pay their taxes and they shouldn't be ministers in, in this government. But actually, there's been so many scandals that I actually can't 
remember the last time that there wasn't a front bench or Tory party scandal. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, there are only more set to come. I just am um, questioning. I mean, I don't even remember when there was a period without scandal. There seems to have been, we had like Partygate and we had Truss and we had the leadership stuff and then and we had the return of the brief return of Boris. I can't, I can't, there's just not a period in my mind where there hasn't been an outright conservative scandal leading the news. And I think obviously, you know, looking at, uh, I know this Plisco team are doing a huge amount of work on, on APPGs and what, what goes on around there and how uh, members of parliament can sometimes abuse their power on APPGs, which is where, um, you know, sometimes they go abroad on trips for research purposes and then they kind of get into legal trouble there. And, you know, if we find out about that, that's just the next scandal and the next one and the next one. And you really you really question how they have time to get anything done with all these scandals, uh, which maybe I think explains why the economy is doing so badly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that's actually something I was thinking about um, a couple of days ago um, when um, I was just reading through some articles about um, the whole situation with Zahawi and yeah you kind of think like how have you got the time to be an MP you know like with all these scandals everything that you're doing outside of um your parliamentary life I mean wow what's that about you must, they're busy you know. they're busy people Sean these members of parliament they're too busy um one of the <laughs> things I did also read and I think definitely blocked uh the the Nadim Zahawi story blocked everything else one of the things I did read was um I don't know if you, uh, listeners remember Matt Hancock who went into the jungle a few months ago oh, which we all watched <laughs> well hang on Sean maybe Sean you don't know this but um uh, they actually released today so he got paid I think about 350 320,000 pounds I think it was really on the show no hang on Sean this gets better so oh. he got paid about 320 grand to get to go on the show um, right. and then you know obviously do you remember at the time Sean he uh, he said I'm going to do the noble thing. I'm going to talk about dyslexia. He did that literally twice, <laughs> all of twice. And then, uh, and then of course, afterwards said that he'd give a huge proportion or a large chunk of his salary to charity uh, or to a dyslexia charity or to a mental health charity. Um, Sean, have you, did you read the, did you read the story on how much money he actually gave to charity? Um, this is going to be a surprise to me because I've not seen it. Okay. So it's, Drum roll, please, and we'll insert a little drum roll here. Charlotte um, <laughs> is great with the sound effects. She just makes them all up on her own, which is just, <laughs> she saves us a lot of money, actually. Anyway, so it turns out of the 320 grand, Matt Hancock gave away 10,000 pounds. So which means he kept he kept the other 300 or plus 300 grand, um, which I actually just find to be astonishing because that's literally not, you would at least think if you say a big chunk you'd just you'd think 30 40 percent wouldn't you but I mean clearly in this case that's he just it's just clearly pocket change for the guy at this stage quite really unbelievable what what can a charity really do with ten thousand pounds I mean I, I question you know if you think about even an entry-level job in a charity they're offering you know 25 30 grand it's just it's completely ridiculous but Sean you, you actually didn't know that so what were your thoughts on that now that I've told you uh no I heard it here first uh yeah wow okay <laughs> no I've got no words on that um I can't say it sounds awful but I honestly can't say as I'm too surprised because um this you know this is Matt Hancock we've got all the history of Matt Hancock all the stuff you know I mean this man went on primetime tv game show basically uh, uh for heaven's sake after um <laughs> after well 
you know everything that happened in the pandemic I mean it's just like during that bit like that December like I kind of felt like everything was just a simulation because I was like like out people from outside of the UK like I don't think a lot of people necessarily understood like the gravity of of that like okay so this man I mean I'm not saying you're he's you know horseman of the apocalypse or anything but you know health secretary during a major public health crisis and then all of a sudden he's on primetime tv you know nine o'clock you turn your tv on and who's there is matt hancock <laughs> it's just it's insane like we're watching him like compete for, for stars and and hanging out with celebrities i mean what's that about i just i'm lost for words to be honest with you the whole thing is just a bit shocking but yeah what can you know what can you say this it's been shock after shock after shock after shock it really, it really had i think most people would agree with that um yeah you, no, you, that's interesting that's an interesting <laughs> point do you do you think people do actually agree with that do you think that there are people up and down in the uk that are paying attention to this or do you think it's just all a big kind of sleeve story and something that people just don't pay attention to do you do you have anyone in your life that you think is maybe is not really politically engaged and if so are they following what's going on um yeah so it's interesting um my boyfriend's not particularly politically engaged I know shock how can you be like that when you're with me um but I am slowly like getting him into it and um yeah it's like when we first kind of met he was sort of you know like oh explain it to me how does it all work and I try to get into it and he even he like coming from pretty much no kind of like political like background or anything like with no kind of like previous involvement in anything even he kind of understood that like yeah okay the conservative party they've been in government and this is what's been happening matt hancock all the sleaze boris johnson etc 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 and it's like if someone who has had absolutely no involvement in any kind of like political stuff you know on any level can understand like the intensity of all of this particularly like you know all the post-covid uh matt hancock x y and z then i think that says a lot about like the general populace because like realistically the majority of people aren't politically active um but i still think that the majority of people in this country agree with the fact that there's been a lot of sleaze but we've paid attention to it we know what's going on and uh, the next general election i think that's going to show yeah absolutely i mean the question is whether it shows for people voting labor whether it shows for people yeah. just not turning out at all and i think this the sadness about all of this might be that people are actually just not gonna not people, vote yeah people just might not vote there might be a low turnout of the next election because people are so disillusioned to politics and i guess yeah. that's a question for the labor party is how can you take all of this disillusionment separate yourself from it and then provide campaign and resources to make sure that people are inspired to vote and really make sure that you give them the emotional, the kind of the emotional drive and the want to get out that door on election day. We don't know when it's going to be, I think, probably as late as possible, I reckon. Uh, in this oh, yeah. term. I reckon they'll push that right back. But even then, it's yeah. probably going to be a cold, a cold day in either, you know, October, November, December or January 2024. Oh, December again. Oh, God, December elections. Any, I think any activist, any Labour Party activist who who did the 2019 election can tell you that they just hate December elections. I can't bear it. I'd actually, yeah. I'd honestly pass a law that just says no, ele- like no formal elections in December. Everything's yeah, got to sure. be done in. Everything's got to be done between 
I don't know, God, at least March to October, like just November, December. Yeah, Why? Sure. What's the point? Sure. Anyway, um, so we hope, obviously, that people will turn out and vote Labour. And I think young activists out there on the doorstep are really doing the Lord's work. And I actually can't wait to see Sean and Sean's boyfriend out on the doorstep, on out on the hashtag Labour doorstep soon. I can't wait, honestly. It's going to be so exciting to take him out on the doorstep for the first time. He's never done anything like this. And he is so enthusiastic about it as well. It's come from literally nowhere. But yeah, you know, one one sit down session of explaining what this Tory government has done to the country over the past, what, three, three ish years. And he is ready to get up there and to like get out and start spreading the word about the Labour Party. So, yeah, very exciting. Um, I'll keep you all posted. <laughs> yeah, do we? Should we definitely should get him on the podcast after his first canvas. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's Sean. You know, you've, you've gone, you've gone to the dark side there. You're dating a muggle. Uh, you're dating somebody. But hopefully, you can bring him <laughs> over to the light side, and we get another uh, another member of the left wingers pack because we'd love oh, to have him on the show at some point. So we're sending <laughs> we're sending an invite. We're sending an invite through the airwaves to Sean's boyfriend. Um, please come, <laughs> please come on our show after you've been canvassing and tell us how great it's um, been and be extra points if you get him in a if you get him in a swing if you can get him in a swing place even for a council election that would be great Ooh, um, that's a good idea i living in manchester there's obviously we've got the biggest labor um like city council in in the country i think don't yeah. want to um yeah so you know so many labor councils which is great uh, i think we've got maybe three wards where um it's kind of like it might be like a Lib Dem or a Green uh like a councillor or candidate so yeah I'll see what's going on in one of those and see if we can go out or even better like you know where if there's a, a by-election coming up soon then definitely head up there that'll be a um a big a big something for him but yeah I'll definitely keep you updated it'll be quite funny Beautiful. Okay, brilliant. And I think, of course, just before we go, I think we've definitely got to cover uh, the most recent strikes. Obviously, we've covered this to death on this show, but obviously it consistently is happening. People consistently are walking out. Um, And today, of course, uh, on the day of recording, the Fire Brigades Union announced that they were walking out on strike with over 80% of the vote. Now, I think it takes quite a lot for uh, people. I think it takes people quite a lot in the emergency services and the people designed and trained and people who decide to spend their lives keeping the public safe. And I think obviously having people you know, people walk out is just is is truly, truly terrible and truly tough to see. And of course, on behalf of the left wingers, we send our solidarity to anyone on the picket line and we wish them uh, we wish them every success. If you know a firefighter, if you are a firefighter, if you're a winger and a firefighter, it's possible to be both, I'm told. Uh, please let us know because we'd love to talk to you about the dangers of your job. Get you on the podcast because we think people would love to hear what you have to say. Um, so today at the time of recording, the National Policy Forum has come into effect and that position is the process has been opened. So what do the National Policy Forum do? Well, my limited understanding of being a Labour Party nerd, uh, self-proclaimed, obviously, um, or a geek, if you will, they actually decide and they create. And this is a process where members can create policy. Now, I'm absolutely fascinated to see what they come up with. But I think my question for Sean is if you could have one Labour Party policy one thing you say now that is guaranteed in the next election manifesto, a potentially winning election manifesto, what would it be and why? Let's see. I think it would definitely be something to do with the NHS because obviously they're fantastic. And I actually, like, I don't even have the words. Um, I, I want to say stuff about it, but it's like, I can't even find them in my head. I feel awful for for saying it, but it's like with, with the lack of funding and 
the the bad pay that's you know causing the strikes and, and things like that it's it's crumbling it's horrible to see because it's such an asset to the country um and i just i can't imagine i don't think well none of us can imagine the country without the nhs i think there's very few people who are alive who can remember um a time without a, a fully functioning um nhs so yeah it'd definitely be something to do with the health services bid to establish like the network of like open access like mental health hubs um that'll like give like more children um access to um, mental health support and stuff i think that's a fantastic idea because ultimately you need to you need to be in there early um mental health issues can start at any point in a child's life or, or indeed an adult i think if you, you if this 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 kind of went ahead then you know we'd have something where um whereby like kids aren't afraid to kind of talk about their feelings and um, I think we're looking mm-hmm. to live in a generation where um we're so quite open about these things now and you know obviously things have changed obviously in the last like couple of decades which is great but no I think this would be fantastic if this is something that was if it'd be normalized I mean then you'd you'd know about these things and if you knew somebody that had uh, mental health issues that was um, a young person you know 10 11 because you know it can happen and um, and they can be um directed in their point of care and and receive that help and that prevents things from escalating that's always the most important thing I think um prevention um rather than like having to deal with problems once they've turned up so yeah like for me that's the most um one of the, the best things and I'd love to see that come into into reality that'd be fantastic oh I like that that's a really good that's a really good shout okay so I think if I could only have one policy so I think this is something that a lot of young people struggle with um particularly when they enter the world of work, even just informally, even in the gig economy or through a full-time job when they graduate or even during higher education. I think young people, uh, people of all ages, but especially young people go into work not fully understanding what their rights are. And then the majority of the time, sometimes, unfortunately, it takes two years at a full-time job to get those rights. And I would say just remove that straight away. First day of the Labour government, you just want to see full rights from day one. And this would, I think, clarify situations for people. It would make the employment law system and the court system a lot easier to manage because everyone would just have rights and you wouldn't have to check how long people had been working there. Uh, And I think also you'd have employees that are maybe a little bit happier to come to work, a little bit safer to come to work. It'd be easier to unionise. It wouldn't be so difficult. And we're seeing, you know, and, you know, thank God for some fantastic unions, Unite and GMV, obviously being being a couple that support the party, but many, you know, including the RMT and the FBU who maybe support the party and maybe don't. And these unions are doing a great job trying to get people their rights. But unfortunately, the law is letting them down. And hopefully we could see rights in the workplace from day one. And if we're if we're able to do that, I think we'd be on for a good set. And actually, if your work is going well, if you feel well at work, it definitely impacts your mental health. For sure. Absolutely. We have to end by saying, as we say every week, solidarity to the strikers. And of course, if you're striking for whatever reason, please let us know and why. Get in contact with us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Unfortunately, that's all we've got enough time for today, but thank you for listening. Sean, it's been great to have you back. We've missed you dearly, but of course we are still hiring and we'd love to hear from you. We'll be opening up the process in the next few days when this episode has been released. So keep your eyes peeled because we'll be on our social media. If you or a friend that you know would like some experience in creating podcasts, in presenting podcasts and editing podcasts, let us know because we'd love to give you that experience. And, you know, we're we're a really good team and we're looking to expand our family. I definitely, of course, include Sean in this. 
Harris, who's been an absolute superstar the past few weeks, and we're delighted to have her back. Uh, we'll teach you everything you need to know, and it'll only be a few hours of your time per week. If you're interested in listening to this podcast, please make sure you download, you subscribe, you find us on Twitter, you like us on Facebook, do all those good things. And we do have a mailing list as well, so please sign up. And of course, we've only got one thing left to say, but I'm going to pass over to Sean, who says it best. Go on, Sean. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening keep whinging support the strikes and we'll see you all again soon thanks for listening <laughs>